Welcome back to the Me Sweet Podcast. I'm Donna Peters. Let's get in there. On this episode of the Me Suite, I was thinking about just turning off my microphone and yielding the entire episode to our very special guest, and you'll learn why in just a moment. Her name is Jennifer Butler. This is Dr. Jennifer Butler. She is a physician in the practice of pulmonology, critical care, and sleep. She has an MBA and is a healthcare strategy consultant. She's also certified in mindfulness, certified as a health coach. Like I said at the beginning, I really should just shut up and turn the mic over to Dr. Jennifer Butler. Welcome to the Me Suite. Thank you, Donna. It is absolutely awesome and exciting to be here. I'm so excited to get into the dialogue that we're going to have today. It's going to be a great episode for you listeners. I need to have a credentializing program that if you listen to an episode, you get a badge or something. I like that idea. Yeah, this, this is definitely a badge-worthy episode, there is no doubt. Uh, you know that we start with core values in the Me Suite, and I would like to start there with you. Uh, what are your core values, Jennifer, and how do they drive the key decisions that you make? Absolutely. So, you know, I think like a lot of people over the last few years, especially because of the COVID pandemic, mm. there's been a lot of opportunity to sit down and do self-reflection. Mm. And so I think for me, when I think about COVID and what that did in terms of clicking an internal switch on in my mind mm. and kind of taking my brain and my career off of autopilot mm -hmm. and putting me back in the driver's seat and giving me that internal resolve to really start moving forward with purpose mm. and, and passion. Um, it really brought me to a place that I probably would list my top four core values okay. as one, authenticity, mm. two, equity with both a social justice and health justice lens. Okay. The third would be gratitude. Okay. And I guess the fourth maybe would be knowledge. Oh, learning. learning. Knowledge has to be. Forever curious. Yes, yes, yes. Forever curious. That is definitely a theme. If anybody takes a moment to go look you up on LinkedIn, they're going to see curiosity all over the all place. All over the place. There's an amalgamation of things happening on LinkedIn right now. Yeah. Did you only come onto the show because you thought you were going to get a badge? No. No, no, okay, but but, right. but I think that would be a worthy token. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So you had mentioned that you you were a physician before COVID hit. Yes. How long had you been practicing? So I started an attending job in 2016. Okay. Um, but you know, I I graduated from medical school in 2010. Okay. So yeah, I mean, you can honestly say I've been in the field easily now for about 13, 14 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How did you, A, decide to go to medical school and yeah. B, decide to specialize in your areas of specialization? Yeah. So that's a fabulous question. For me, initially, I really loved anatomy and mm -hmm. physiology and science. And at the same time, I was just really passionate about community work. Okay. Um, especially in communities of color. Okay. And so I was trying to figure out what is the best area for me to bring those two areas together mm -hmm. from a connection standpoint. Mm -hmm. That would be fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Because at the time, my thought process was I don't want just a job. Okay. I want a passion project, a lifetime okay. passion project. Wow. And so medicine just seemed to be like the perfect blend. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I was blessed to meet one or two physicians who were in the prime of their careers, uh -huh. incredibly and still in love with the practice of medicine, mm -hmm. um, serving inner city communities. Okay. And the impact that I saw they had, not just from a medical standpoint, but on a social standpoint, which mm -hmm. is mind blowing for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had these people who 
were running free clinics in yeah. inner city Detroit or inner city Chicago. And for them, it was about the work of just helping people. Mm-hmm. And that just made an impression on me. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, man, if I had to initially spend the rest of my life doing something, this yeah. would be it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Then how did you spin that into, of all the specialties you could have had, yeah. you double down on pulmonary critical care and sleep? Yeah, I think I think every medical student, you know, when we go through medical school, we do a number of rotations mm-hmm. and we're trying to find ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so first you try and figure out where are the people who act like me or think like me or sound like me? Mm-hmm. Where are they going to be? You know, am I a surgeon? You know, am I an internal medicine doctor? Am I a pediatrician? Do I want to walk around with a giraffe around my stethoscope? Okay. <laughs> you know, that that's like the first kind of lens you go through. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you know, it's about what makes you tick. Okay. And so for me, I did a fourth year rotation in the ICU in Detroit and loved it. Wow. Love the adrenaline, the pace, mm-hmm. the acuity and complexity of care. Wow. Um, but the opportunity to also help people when they're at their sickest and most vulnerable. Mm. I think that just triggered something for me. And so I was like, I think this is it. I think pulmonary and critical care is it. And, and once I started my critical care fellowship, I think I started to see a lot of people with sleeping issues Okay, in the hospital, in the ICU. Yeah. And kind of triggered this passion of, well, let's find out what a sleep fellowship looks like. Yeah. So I went through medical school, residency, a critical care fellowship, and then on to a sleep fellowship mm-hmm. before finally deciding to take a real job as an attending. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting to hear you go through the medical path. Most of the listeners of the Me Suite are not physicians. Yeah. But at the same time, what you just described is the same thing that we, if we're more on the traditional business mm-hmm. side, go through of, well, do I want to wake up every day doing finance? Do I want to wake up every day in supply chain? Am mm-hmm. I more of an R&D innovation person? And that that whole thought process is very in common, no matter where we are as career professionals. Definitely, You, though, are on both sides because you not only have an MD, you also are an MBA. Yes. Yes. New graduate. <laughs> yes. How, how did you get inspired to add MBA to MD? Yeah. So, you know, I think for me, once again, COVID turning on that light switch, mm-hmm. I found myself really trying to understand how our patients really get care delivered. Mm. Because when you're at the bedside, you know, you have these one-on-one isolated interactions with a patient or their family member. But when you start thinking about the full system Mm -hmm. and who's involved and who kind of helps make those decisions about how we deliver care, what medicine people get, what's the avenue that we just choose to deliver that in, Mm -hmm. you recognize that healthcare in this country, there's a very strong business side of it. Okay. And I think to really understand the complexity of the system, you have to understand the clinical medicine part of it, but you also have to understand the business side of it as well. Wow. I think that helps you appreciate things like payer complexity, Mm -hmm. um, issues around access to medication. Mm. Um, It just ties it all much more in an effective place where you can deliver better care for your patients. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a pretty powerful word when you talked about a switch went off Mm -hmm. uh, in that COVID period. You said autopilot. Yeah. What did you mean by that? And why was COVID such a moment that mattered? Yeah. I think, you know, when you're initially on the training track Mm -hmm. for medicine, you're on this train that is very streamlined. Mm -hmm. All your steps are kind of laid out for you. Mm. 
I go to medical school, I go to residency, I go to fellowship, and I get a job. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. And then I'll just practice medicine forever and and then I'll retire. Yeah. And I think I recognized that there was a part of me that was still on autopilot, mm-hmm. not fully in the driver's seat of what I wanted for my life, mm. the passion, the purpose, more than just clinical medicine. I saw myself having a much broader impact. Wow. And I think I went through this journey of trying to figure out how to get there. I think even beyond that, there was a lot of opportunity to reflect about being my authentic self. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to figure out how am I most comfortable in my own skin mm-hmm. in all facets, in all realms of my life. Not just professionally at work, but in my friendships, in my relationships. Mm. Am I showing up from how I speak, how I dress, how I wear my hair, mm-hmm. my language, all of it. And I recognized that there were some restrictions and limitations, maybe psychologically I put on myself or the projections of others over the years mm-hmm. that had kind of put myself into a box, mm. being in the ambiguity, the uncertainty of it all. Okay. Really just forced a level of of courage, if you will. Okay. That had been sitting under the surface that I had never tapped into. Okay. It it, gave, it encouraged you to be fearless. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Exactly. Okay. And, and 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 funny enough, when the when that emergence, if you will, mm-hmm. of the fear just going away. Yeah. It just started to open up the doors of, I could do this. I could try this. It's okay. Yeah. I could maybe go part time on medical practice and go back to school and get an MBA. Wow. Maybe I can think about pursuing a health coaching certification. Uh Maybe I can think about pursuing opportunities around culinary medicine and urban gardening. Uh It's just all the barriers started to drop. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's interesting that it took a pandemic for it to happen. Yeah. (laughs) But the light switch finally really went off Mm -hmm. and it was really about, am I truly living my full purpose, my full passion Mm -hmm. on a daily basis? And at that time, the answer was no. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you just said maybe I could get an MBA. Maybe I could become a health certified coach. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Well, all those maybes are now yeses, aren't they? I finally can check the text on the box, yeah. on the list that I had put in my journal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it in you that makes maybe go to yes? I think it's this this process of what I like to call Jennifer 2.0. Okay. And so it's this, it's an idea uh-huh. and I write it down in my journal mm-hmm. and then I do some research okay. and then I start talking to people and then I go online and I start to apply to things. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, if they say no, then maybe it wasn't for me. But mm-hmm. if they say yes, hey, we're going to hit the gas pedal and let's go for it. Yeah. And there have been a lot of yeses. Okay. You know, getting into the MBA program, getting into a coaching certification, there have uh, been just a lot of yeses. Okay. Which made me realize that the restrictions and barriers that I imagined mm-hmm. weren't real. Okay. You know, psychologically, I had put them up for mm-hmm. myself. And then psychologically, I took them down. Amazing. Yeah. Very, very liberating, if you yeah. will. I feel very liberated. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. But I don't... You were practicing medicine and in the front lines Absolutely. through the entire COVID period, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yes. Okay. What do you remember? What about that horrific experience was the ironic, the liberator? Yeah. I think for me, I specifically remember one particular patient who was going on the ventilator. And what they mm-hmm. said really impressed upon me 
you know, sh- they, they basically said, I have still so much to do. Wow. I still have so much to do. And I haven't done it yet. Oh, man. And I think, you know, she, she unf- unfortunately did not do well in, mm-hmm. in, in the passing away. But, you know, very relatively young, not too far away from my age. Wow. And I think that was a reality check. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's so much to do. What's stopping me? What's holding me back? Wow. Yeah. Wow. And there, there I'm, I'm sure like many frontline workers have stories. Yeah. Stories like that. But yeah. I think her situation just really resonated with mm-hmm. me. And maybe it was seeing myself in her. Yeah, yeah. You know, being so close in age, mm-hmm. having similar backgrounds wow. and thinking to myself, you know, <sighs> wow. Mm. This could be me on the ventilator, right. you know, if I were to be unfortunate enough to end up with severe COVID. Mm-hmm. And there's so much I just haven't even touched upon. And I realized I just don't want to live a life of regrets. Mm-hmm. I can stand failures. I just don't want to live uh, regrets. Yeah, and I, and I think that it, to me was just mentally crippling to think about. Mm. And I was like, okay, yeah, we, we need to, re- come on, Jennifer, we really need to do better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And think about what are the opportunities you're passing up because you've put these restrictions on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about how you go from maybe to yes and you had ticked it off in your journal. Mm-hmm. So you must be a journaler. I am a journaler. Okay. Say, say more about that. Well, you know, I've been journaling since undergrad. Okay. And it, it was always initially an opportunity for me to have a little bit of internal therapy. Okay. You know, thoughts, feelings, perspectives, experiences, conversations mm-hmm. um, that I would have with family and friends, just writing it out was super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes maybe not everything needs to be said in person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Noted. That might be the sweetener. I don't know. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> it started that way. Okay. It started that way. Um, and then it just kind of took a life of its own, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's been kind of like a, a little mini biography of me chronicling just different experiences, different places I've lived and worked, mm-hmm. people I've met, the relationships and friendships I've had. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll turn it into a book one day. Maybe too hot for for the shelves, <laughs> but <laughs> it's 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 been incredibly therapeutic. Yeah, you know, over the years. So you still do that? I still do that. Yeah. Um, and I think anytime I think about opportunities where I could see myself from a career standpoint. Um, professionally, family-wise, I, I write it out. Yeah. Because I actually do believe in the concept of, you know, when you verbalize things and you put things on paper, it will manifest. Yeah. You know, because then you start to be intentional and you start to create and craft a plan around it mm-hmm. because you're visually seeing it. Almost like a mini vision board, if you will. Uh-huh. Um, and that's been working for me yeah, for many, clearly. many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have an evidence base right here for yes. that, that it is absolutely working <laughs> for you. Do you have a purpose statement? Are you that type of person that says, this is my purpose statement? I don't know if I have a, I don't have a purpose statement per okay. se. I think maybe more of a philosophy, if you will. All right. Um, and it's just really been about how am I going to be the most authentic self I can be? Okay. You know, in showing up in all realms Mm -hmm. of my life. And I recognize that there have been so many experiences um, based on where I'm from, Mm -hmm. you know, places I've worked, people I've met, that sometimes you may find yourself code switching. Okay. Or you may find yourself uh, maybe only showing up in one way in certain spaces. Uh And 
ultimately, sometimes you feel like you have dialogue or you have conversations or you have certain experiences mm-hmm. where you were not 100%. Okay. And for me, that that would happen. Okay. Um, and I think I just realized that maybe life is a little too short to be living this way. Mm. And so I wanted to get myself to a space where I am 100% who I am mm-hmm. at all times with yeah. all people. Yeah. And so if you were to have a conversation with me today, mm-hmm. ideally, if you have a conversation with another friend tomorrow, they mm-hmm. can justifiably say, yeah, that's Jennifer. That sounds just like her. That's ah, who she is. The same all, Jennifer. The same Jennifer. Uh-huh. You yeah. should not be having different versions of me, regardless yeah. of what space I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's been the kind of the model and the roadmap I've been trying to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned earlier Detroit and Chicago. Mm-hmm. Where are you from? Originally the Bahamas. All right. Yeah. So I'm an island girl. Uh-huh. Um, grew up there until 17. Okay. Left the island for college. And mm-hmm. so I went to Tuskegee in Alabama mm-hmm. for undergrad. And then I ended up in Detroit for medical school. Okay. Mm-hmm. Amazing. We should be recording this in the Bahamas. That's all I'm thinking right now. <laughs> it's a great idea. <laughs> a pina colada on the beach, <laughs> watching the waves. Jennifer, you may not have realized that we have something very special in common. I'm in excited. Tell me more. Gardening. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. And I have... I was very fortunate to inherit from my father an heirloom seed collection, and mm. I call it my yoga. Gardening is my yoga. It's my yeah. mindfulness practice. Yes. Just the the beauty of taking a seed and then having it end up on your table in a meal. I understand that you're very active with an organization that is called Black Farmers and Urban Gardeners, and you take gardening to a whole new level of meaning. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of this group. Mm-hmm. Um, they go by Bugs for short. Oh, okay. Um, and then they do an annual conference every year. They move it around to different cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, most recently, this past summer, that conference was here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And part of the mission or philosophy of this organization is about how do we create urban farms within inner city or marginalized communities? Mm-hmm with the whole purpose of creating opportunities for food equity. Okay. And a lot of times when we talk about food equity, it's really about people having access to food that is nutritious, um, food that is affordable, Mm. um, which is incredibly problematic in many, many U.S. cities today, Mm -hmm. um, and food that's desirable. Mm -hmm. And I, I think around this issue and why we're trying to bring so much more awareness to it is that we're recognizing the relationship between chronic disease, especially cardiovascular disease, Mm. and your food source Mm -hmm. plays a significant role in your outcome. Mm -hmm. And what we're really finding is that a lot of people who are living in inner city communities or even rural communities, and the only source of food that they may have is, quite frankly, a food desert environment where it's just a bunch of fast food. They don't have anything that's fresh, anything that's really, truly nutritious. Mm. Um, and as a result, we're seeing issues around heart attacks, strokes, um, diabetes, mm-hmm. you know, definitely around obesity. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is when you have a conversation with a lot of people who are pediatricians and they talk about whether or not there's a food equity issue in a home, mm-hmm. you may see a child that is obese or overweight and you think they're just eating too much. And in fact, it actually is a food equity issue. Okay. Because all they have access to is fast food. Okay. And so, you know, this has really been a big push to bring some awareness to the fact that in a lot of our inner cities, we have a lot of food deserts. Mm -hmm. There's miles and miles apart for people to drive or even walk to get to a proper grocery store. Mm -hmm. And so creating 
spaces, mm-hmm. whether it's abandoned, you know, lots or turning particular areas designated by the city mm-hmm. into land where people can come and farm and grow, you know, basic fruits and vegetables that they can come and have access to either for free or a very low price mm-hmm. is really the true mission mm-hmm. behind this organization and then all of its partners that are involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just really excited to to highlight, you know, the organization, all the work that they're doing and the work that they're going to continue to do in the future. Mm-hmm. So you uh, also mentioned earlier, Jennifer 2.0, you mentioned the the journal where you journal about what's next. You mentioned you have a tick list of maybes. Mm-hmm. What is next on this list? Oh what is gosh. Jennifer 3.0? How do you even think about that? So, you know, one of the conversations I've been having in my journal uh-huh. is about ownership. Okay. And my thoughts around wanting to either continue to be an employee mm. or to be an entrepreneur. Okay. And more and more that dialogue sometimes seems to be walking towards the entrepreneurial route. Okay. And so there's there's more to come on that. Mm-hmm. It's it's a plan I'm crafting. Um, but I think eventually, maybe in the next five years, mm-hmm. I see myself being fully self-employed and yeah. creating a business around health and wellness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think there's an I think in there. I think it's an <laughs> I know and it will happen. Yeah. I, I don't know where this bet's supposed to be placed, but I'm putting my bet on Jennifer. you good money on it. <laughs> oh, totally. That'll be the safest investment I've ever made. I love it. <laughs> That's incredible. I like to end every episode with a mm. sweetener. Yeah. This is something practical, advice you would have for listeners of things we could start doing differently on Monday. Yeah. Where do you want to take that? Honestly, I think for me, the best advice I would give our listeners is Mm -hmm. around leading with gratitude. Okay. Um, And I say that because I'm realizing more and more, based on the type of work I've been involved in and the Mm -hmm. type of work I'm doing in the future, it's just so important to show people appreciation. It's amazing what saying thank you does. Uh. Um, And it's just amazing how that can just build resilience. Mm -hmm. Um, One-on-one relationships, but also from a teaming standpoint. Mm -hmm. And I think even when things don't work out, Mm -hmm. saying thank you for your efforts Mm. is huge because it just breeds so much positive energy into your team, into your organization, into your one-on-one interactions with an individual. It goes a long way. It's it's so easy to be negative, mm. especially when things aren't going well. Mm-hmm. But the opportunity to just say, listen, it didn't work, but but just thank you for the fact that you tried. Right. Amazing. So leading with gratitude is what I would say. Starting on Monday, mm-hmm. say thank you, even if something didn't go well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then let me, let me close with that challenge mm-hmm. that I want to say thank you yeah. for sharing yourself and not just with me here in the Me Suite and the listeners, but sharing yourself with every orbit that you intersect. Yes. So that woman who made such an impact on you in that hospital that day, yeah. you're doing the same thing now for thousands and thousands of people. It's really incredible. You're a very special person. Well, I want to say thank you for giving me the platform to be here. Amazing. I really appreciate it. This is Dr. Jennifer Butler in the Me Suite, everybody. Until the next topic, this is Donna Peters. Thank you for joining me in the Me Suite. 